Today we are celebrating the greatest miracle that ever happened in the whole of history. Do you know that? It wasn't a once and done miracle. It wasn't a kind of just for that particular moment miracle. This is a miracle that is still ringing as loudly today as it did then. It feels like every year we say, you know, there's never been a moment when uh, this story of Easter is more important than now. Isn't it? We always kind of say that. It's never more relevant than now. And I kind of wonder, like, are we just repeating ourselves? Did we forget that we said that last year and that someone tweeted it the year before and that some Christian leader or, or pastor will say that next year as well, that it's never been more important than now? Or do you think it's the case that actually the longing in our hearts and the aching that we see all around us in our world was just never, ever going to be satisfied fully by anything other than the presence of the risen Jesus. And sometimes it takes us a whole year to get back to that place and remember that that is what we were longing for all along. So guess what, everyone? There has never been a moment where the story of Easter matters more than right now. Because there will never be a moment where Easter doesn't matter. It is eternally relevant. It is continually significant. And it is infinitely transformative. That sounds pretty big, right? And it is. It is the biggest thing that we could possibly contemplate because if the tomb isn't empty, then we can all go home, right? If the tomb isn't empty, then all of this is worthless. But we know and we have chosen to believe that this is true. We believe that the hope of this story is that Jesus has risen that death is defeated, that our lives can be put back together and that we can live in freedom forever and forever. But Easter requires something of us, you know? Like we kind of make it about generic springtime and chocolate eggs and daffodils and a lovely time with your family or a slightly stressful time with your family. But the true meaning of Easter is that it requires something for us. It is very, very, very simple. It requires belief. Do you believe that this really happened? That is the question of the day. Do you believe you sitting here right now in this room, me standing here on this stage, do you believe that this really happened and that it changed everything. So we're going to read this amazing story again together. We've already heard it right at the beginning, read wonderfully by Stephen and Sammy and Layla from the Jesus Storybook Bible, but I'm going to read it again in a different version of the Bible. And as I read it, whether you are really young or really old or somewhere in the middle, let that question roll around your head. Do I believe this? As you listen to all the bits and pieces of it, do I believe that this happened? And what difference does that make to my life? Let me read from Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped at his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. When we believe in this story, we're not just believing in the concepts of it and the events and the circumstances at the core. We are believing in a person. We are believing in a person. And when we read this resurrection account from Matthew, we learn some things about this person. And that's what I want to talk about today. We learn firstly about the power of Jesus. And then we learn about the promise of Jesus. And finally, we learn about the presence of Jesus. So first, power, or as I like to say where I'm from, par, which I'm not going to say the whole way because I've trained myself out of that in my 15 years of living here. A violent earthquake and an angel coming down from heaven, a huge, heavy, heavy stone, heavily guarded at the tomb, rolled away easily, an appearance like lightning. Can you imagine that? Fear-filled guards that were so terrified, they literally fainted. Please note that the women did not faint. This is no ordinary moment, and this is no ordinary graveyard. There is power at work here. So what kind of power is it that we see in the risen Jesus? Well, it's many things. We could go on and on for days. But I think most significantly, it is a power that is deep and it is a power that transforms. What we see here at the tomb is an outward expression on the earth of the victory that Jesus had just won in the heavens and in the depths. This wasn't just for show. This wasn't just to create a scene. It literally couldn't be held back. Heaven and earth were colliding in a really deep, deep way. Death was defeated. Victory had been won and the common denominator was Jesus. Because when the power of Jesus, our Savior, is at work, it is really deep and it is really transformative. Do you know the deep and transformative power of Jesus in your life? Like, What does that even look like? Well, the Bible gives us a pretty good picture of what that can look like, what this continual miracle can look like in our lives. In Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 11, it says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. The Spirit of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. So this power wasn't just a display of might 
And it wasn't just for Jesus. The gift of God is that it is also for us because the love of Christ knows no bounds. If you've never experienced that or if you kind of don't really even believe it, just humor me for a minute and imagine what that would be like. If this is true, what would it be like to have that deep and transformative power, not just like available to you out here that you could take and use as you like, but something that becomes a life force within you? What would it be like to have the power of Christ living in you? And if you do know Jesus, do you remember that? Do you remember that you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you even on your most boring and mundane of days? Do you remember that? Do you still know the deep and transformative power of Jesus? Or has anything got in the way? Because this miracle is still working. Remember I said that at the beginning, this miracle is still working. The power of Jesus hasn't stopped. Secondly, after the very wild beginning to this story, we see that it's not just about power because it's a person, not a force. And so this display of power gives way to a reminder, a reminder of a promise. In verse five and six, we read that the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here he has risen just as he said. Four very, very powerful words, right? Just as he said. They hold incredible significance for all of us because how many of us know the hurt of a word not kept, of a promise broken? The hurt of someone not doing what they said they would, what they promised they would, not being true to their word, bringing disappointment and betrayal to us. Let me remind you today and say unequivocally, that is not who Jesus is. Jesus keeps his promises. The very first thing that we hear about the risen Jesus is that he kept his promise. He has risen just as he said. This deep power that we experience of the resurrection comes to us with an abiding promise. So I wonder where today do you feel the sting of a word not kept? Where do you feel the quiet resignation of a promise that was broken? Or where has doubt about this promise keeping Jesus begun to creep into your life? I come back to that question again. Do you believe that Jesus will do what he said he would do? Do you believe that he keeps his promises to his world, to his people, to you? Do you believe that he will do what he said he would do? What would it look like today to renew the hope, that hope of the promise of Jesus again? What would it look like to take some steps towards the healing that is available in those places of hurt? It might be a slow start. It often is, and you might falter a little bit. 
But there is an invitation to let those four words reverberate around your life again. Just as he said. It never stops being true. And finally, presence. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Then suddenly Jesus met them and said, go and tell my brothers to go there because that's where I'm going to meet them. That's where I'm going to meet them. I listened to a podcast recently and the person on it was a pastor in a church in America and he said this, which really stood out to me and I had, was driving so I had to really try and remember it. So I'm glad I did. And he said, a great sermon and a great song will never sustain you. He was talking to people who regularly go to church. They may make you feel better for a little while, but they won't push you over the line into true belief. Only the presence of a great savior will sustain you. Only the presence of a great savior will sustain you. This sermon might be okay, who knows, you can tell me after, but honestly I hold no great ideals that anything I can say can sustain you. That's not my job. And wow, these songs that we sing, they're amazing. We have an incredible group of, of wonderfully talented musicians, but guess what? That like good feeling that you get whenever you sing, it will never ever sustain you. The thing that propels us and sustains us into the place of faith and true belief is an encounter with the presence of a great savior, Jesus. It is only him. It is only Jesus. It is only his presence. That's why we read about college students in America that are staying for hours in worship services. That's why we called our monthly prayer and worship night presence. That's why people get up in the middle of the night to pray in their bedroom or in a prayer room, bleary-eyed and sleepy. That's why young people in Scotland are hungry to worship together at youth nights like Magnitude and PowerPoint. That's why people sell up their comfortable life and go and move wherever God is calling them. That's why people falteringly share their faith with a friend or a colleague or someone that they don't even know at a supermarket or at the school gate. The list goes on and on and on and on. It is all because we've had an encounter with the presence of Jesus and not just one, not, not just a memory, but we are invited to encounter the presence of Jesus again and again. When was the last time you were truly captivated by the presence of Jesus? truly captivated by the presence of Jesus. I'll tell you a pretty humbling story from my own life. I'm part of the staff team here and one of the roles that I fulfill is uh, to help organize what happens on Sundays alongside Zach. And in that team I am known as being the timekeeping police. And I'm the annoying one that says, we started uh, 10 minutes late again this week. We went on for much longer than we intended to. We were late finishing. We need to create consistency for people who are coming to church here, you know. We didn't have time then for that bit or that bit felt rushed. And you know, I accept my lot. I am okay with that. I actually think it's a really good thing to start on time and to know when you roughly intend to finish. I think that's a pretty good thing in life. I'm also very, very much on time in everything else in my life and I hate being late. And this one time, 
I was at the back and I was uh, doing the words, which is always stressful. And uh, we were well past our normal finishing time. And I was looking at my watch thinking, okay, we must, we must be getting ready to finish now. It's kind of getting to that time. You know, it's pushing on nine o'clock, like, come on, guys. And then we started another song. And I thought, oh, man, it is already so late. People are starting to leave. And I was just about to hike myself up on my high horse, feeling very self-righteous when I felt the voice of Jesus whisper to me clear as day, Naomi, am I not worth it? Now that will floor you, let me tell you. Am I not worth it? For sure, (laughs) I tell you that kind of hoping that you will have some uh, grace for me in my humanity and maybe even that you might see yourself there sometimes too. Is he not worth it? Is he not worth it? Yes, Jesus, yes, you are. Forgive me, forgive me because you are worth it all. So what, like me, gets in the way of you being fully and truly captivated by Jesus? What else and where else have you been trying to gain that sustenance from? What if that changed today as you chose to see his power, chose to remember his promise, and ultimately chose to seek his presence? It's never been more important because it will always be the most important thing that you do. There's always an opportunity to come to Jesus, whether for the first time or again and again and again and again. But I want to give you the opportunity this morning, whether you're coming to Jesus for the first time or you realize that you want to renew your love for him because you know that you have been far away from him. I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to come to know Jesus today for the first time, then you can pray it after me in your hearts or out loud. I don't mind. I prayed a prayer similar to this when I was five years old, and I've prayed it many times since because I need to keep reminding myself, but I know that it started then. It started when I turned to Jesus and I said, I can't do it by myself at five. I can't do it by myself and I don't want to. There is something too attractive about you, and I want to live my life with you. So whether you are five or 50, or 95, there is an opportunity for you to pray that same prayer. So let me pray for us and with us. Jesus, I'm sorry. I've lived my life so far as if it were all up to me and I have paid no attention to you. I thank you, Jesus, that you died to cover all the wrong things that I have done and that you rose again to seal my life in you forever. I want to know you, Jesus. I believe in you. I say yes to you. I want to follow you and give my life totally to you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, especially for the first time today, you know, and we're not talking about a like, over the line thing. That's not how it works. But if you prayed that prayer today 
in your heart with real sincerity and you know, yeah, that was, that was different that time, then I want you to do one more brave thing. I want you to come and tell someone. Come and tell me, come and tell Odell or Connor or uh, Matt, anyone else. We want to pray for you and help you in this new life that you're choosing. But I feel as well that there's an opportunity for renewal today as well. Like that idea of, you know, yeah, I believe in the power of Jesus, but actually when was the last time that I actually like experienced anything transformative in my life? I feel just a little bit deadened inside and I'm not entirely sure what that means. Or that idea of, yeah, like, you know, as a fact, I believe that Jesus keeps his promises, but I haven't really seen much of that in my own life and I'm finding it harder and harder and harder to believe in that, but I would like to even just a little bit. Or that idea of, yeah, I have not been captivated by the presence of Jesus in a long, long time. And I remember a time when I was. And it's not that I'm trying to get back there, but I'd like to know that it's still possible here in whatever your life looks like right now. Then let me pray as the band come back and as we worship together. Jesus, you, you are the great renewer. You are the great renewer. You have not left any of us on our own. You have not abandoned any of us, though you yourself were abandoned. And so I pray for those here today, and it might not be everyone, but it might be some, who know, yeah, I would like a renewal of this in my life. Where I am right now, I would like to feel a renewal of this faith in Jesus that felt different one day a long time ago and has changed dramatically ever since. I pray that you will come and renew your power to us, this same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. I pray that you will come and whisper your promises to us so that we can remember, yes, you are the God who keeps his promises again and again and again. And would you come and captivate us with your presence? Because none of us here can do that by ourselves. It's only you. Show us again that you are worth it. Come and meet with us, Jesus. Come and meet with us, Jesus. Amen.